welcome to the Coaching Manual Podcast. I'm Pavel Williams and I'm joined by Spanish football expert Guillaume Balaguer. Guillaume is a Sky Sports analyst, you'll see him regularly on Sky Sports Revistafield Liga Show, a journalist whose work has appeared in The Times, Observer, 442, 20% Football and many, many more, a UEFA licensed coach and also the author of Messi, the first official biography to be given access to the family, the youth coaches and the full managers of the world's greatest player. We'll touch on the lessons that coaches can learn from Messi's rise to the top of the game, how coaching in Spain and Argentina really impacts player development, how Pep Guardiola has written the script for the game of the future, and what we should expect from England and Spain at this summer's World Cup. Remember to visit thecoachingmanual.com and subscribe to our email newsletter. You'll get updates about future podcasts. You'll also get 10 video sessions from inside the Southampton FC Academy completely free. I want to actually start, Tom, out. Whether you were aware when you saw Messi the first time that he could become the greatest player of all time, was that immediately apparent? Or was that something that's kind of grown year on year on year as he's improved? There's, there's no way you can you can guess because one thing I've learned uh, through the years, but uh, studying Messi closely, is that you need to have 10, 12 things and you need to have them constantly to be able to get to the top. And you know uh, how many people have got to the top? Well, you know that historically you would say they will remain in everybody's memory. Not not so many in about 150 years. So, but he he just seems to have it all. He did have it when he was 16, 17. But you think, yeah, we'll see. Then when the bigger challenges appear, still had it. And I'm talking about uh, the kind of mentality that takes you to the top. That is not being affected by pressure generally having your emotions very very low volumed if you like so nothing affects you the good or the bad and this idea that you wanna doesn't matter how what, how well you've done that season you still want more mm-hmm. and in fact you're probably not happy enough with what you've done still not is happy enough that kind of mentality is not you don't find it everywhere and and the idea of uh, you know the, the understanding the, the the emotional intelligence to react to things there's a bunch of things that you need, and we haven't even talked about the ball. Absolutely. So um, to to get to the top, you need all that. He added all, but he went through so many obstacles, and so many people, when they found these obstacles, have fallen over the edge. So many, they thought, would he? But uh, he's he's gone through all of it, and now he's got another test. He's got a World Cup, a body that's changing, and he's gonna have to apply changes to it. But so far, you have to say the consistency he's shown. Nobody else in the world has shown that at that level. It's been yeah, genuinely astonishing. Um, year on year, to break record after record after record. What that means for Messi is though he's almost he's the golden goose. He's the the one that every youth coach in the world wants to develop. And one of the things I picked up reading through the early stages of his life was that there wasn't a whole lot of coaching really went on. Um, just talk about the environment that Messi was kind of born into and, and how growing up he just had the ball at his feet all the time. Because he was so good, coaches would uh, be distracted by parents or by doing something else and then they would tell him, even though he was like this and everybody else was double the size at 10, 11, they would tell him, go out and, uh, and do the warm-up. So you've got this 10-year-old just going with one leg and then the other leg and everybody else behind him, one leg and the other leg. Uh, because that was also the level of coaching. You normally don't allow a 10-year-old to run the, uh, the, the warming up. Sure. So important. But the fact that uh, 
yes, uh, um, number one, he was a leader. Uh, coach identified, every coach identified that very quickly and thought, okay, uh, he also got everything that you require to play a game in his head from the uh, covering the uh, the ankles to uh, to the kind of boots he had all in his head so they thought yeah he could do it but also shows us as you're saying that yeah coaching wasn't that great I've asked everybody what, what, what did you do even his, his dad his dad had him for a year what did you do oh no much just throw the ball there and then how do they manage to get so many good players yeah you talk about Rosario in, in particular, how it's just such a fantastic environment. It's such a football city. Um, there's so many players came, come out of Emory. What What's so unique about that area, that small area of Argentina that continues to produce players? The the concentration of, of quality has to be has to be uh, parallel to the concentration of interest in the game. But you say, but in England you, you probably find the same in, in Manchester, in Liverpool. So why not? Well, because historically Argentina decided they tango dancers that despite the fact that the British show one way of playing football they didn't identify with that they identified with something else more about the dribbling the individual skill so that continues in the culture that has incarnated in the culture and that continues and that's the lead everybody goes that way and it's been proven through the years that that is a better way to become a professional than the English way if you like here you still got the same this idea that you know, tackling and long balls. I know it's changing. It's definitely changing. And 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 once you mix that and the the, the the physique that you are born naturally with, plus the enthusiasm for for a new way of playing, that's a great combination for England. But that's in the in the future. As a culture, you've got another way of playing which has been repeated by the kids. They see it in their parents, in in the way a, a father says, "Oh, look at that tackle." Kid thinks, "All right, well, that's the way to play." In Argentina, what you get is, look at that dribble. Ah, okay, that's the way to play. So mix that, that way of playing, with the concentration of, of interest. And literally, there's a, there's a, there's a pitch every, every, every two blocks. And there is, there is you know, the, the, every, everybody plays or organizes. And they do this thing where uh, you, you play in the morning and then you get your motorbike and then go into another league and they allow you to do so. Unless you Messi, by the way, Messi tried to play only about three, four months ago with his brother's team, and they, they didn't allow him to play. The rival team said, "No, you cannot play." <laughs> but uh, just just all this creates the passion, creates the uh, impression that football is paradise, that that's where you need to go to to grow as human being. Almost uh, you mix all that, and what you get is yeah, a lot of people playing, a lot of people playing. News old boys, for instance. Uh, one of the two big clubs in in Rosario he used to have about 800 kids in their in their hands and what was coaching like nothing special mm -hmm. but it was 800 kids out of which at the top will be 20 that may become professionals out of which one at the top could just be a really good professional and exceptionally every decade or every generation or every 10 generations there's one that's absolutely sure. special that's that. There's no more secret than that. Because otherwise, how do you explain that out of say the six top players in the world, three are Argentinian? Mm -hmm. How do you explain that? That has been certainly one of the fascinating things to have a look at. What? Why? And I've reached the conclusion that without Di Stefano, Maradona wouldn't have existed, and without Maradona, we wouldn't have had Messi. One of the things I picked up on was that 
this is more of a tale of a of a virtuoso like a Mozart or Bobby Fischer more so than a system that's that's you know churning out great quality players. You could say Spain is the way around. Spain is seems to have developed a system that regularly brings out an entire team of genuinely world class midfielders. Certainly, um, some very good players at the back, some very good centre forwards. So it's more of a systemic thing. Um, is that the same thing in Spain where you have an academy has so many players and a, a club like Barcelona has such an influence over the Catalonia region that all those players are playing against the best players and they work their way up? Is it that there's a concentration of talent? Because in England the opposite happens where you have lots of very good players but they're all spread out all over all different clubs. That's, a, that's essential. If you and that's what uh, the the FA in England is trying to change as well. They're trying to bring the best together, mm-hmm. and then Peterborough or, or Tranmere would say, "But they're taking our guys, and they're not paying the same of money, same amount of money that they used to pay for them." Mm-hmm. And you think, "Yeah, but what did you get with that money? Where did you go with that money? Have you changed with that money?" And they haven't. Peterborough will always be there, mm-hmm. thereabouts. Tranmere will be there, thereabouts. Doesn't matter if they get a young kid that's very good and they get a one one and a half million for him, because that one and a half million will won't, won't make any difference to their history, fan base, nothing. So, I think it's a good idea to put them all together. That's what Barcelona's done, Real Madrid's done. They just go everywhere and get the best. At the time of Messi, uh, they didn't do this. Uh, let's get the best Argentinians around. It was really an experiment in a way that could have gone wrong and certainly the inst- as an institution they didn't know how to deal with him mm-hmm. but now they've, they've structured that a little bit better but yeah the idea is you, you get players together and they've, they're the best players and they're just going to become better players it's, it's, that's a logic but if there is a secret uh, of a Spanish football and one thing that's going to con- allow us to continue to develop players um, is coaching coaching is the golden thread to success. Mm-hmm. There's no other secret, and and you may have a little, you may have a group of very good players. And by the way, if we are winning everything, and that will stop soon, it's, it's, it's a pure accident, I think. Yes, you develop good players, but to having the same generation at the, at the same peak, Xavi, Iniesta, Villa, Torres, Puyol, Piqué, it doesn't happen. It happens once every thirty years. But certainly, we develop good players, and we develop them because of the because of the coaching. There's, there's no other secret. Mm-hmm. Now, how is it that coaching is so good? Because you go to the courses, and there's nothing special. Yeah, there's nothing special. It's as good as bad as it is in England or anywhere else. Mm-hmm. So, what is it then? And it's the hunger for information. It's the hunger to develop yourself. It's the having seen that listening from foreign coaches, traveling abroad, mixing with people, watching games constantly, take you to a level that allows you to be a professional of this game. And that's something, if you want to compare it with England, that's something I see missing here. That hunger, it's all about badges, and it's all about getting to the top. So you want to be a coach, so you get the badges, so you want to be a Premier League coach. And and that is the, the main difference. In Spain it's about I'm going to be the best coach I can be wherever I'm allowed. And then there's a, a minor thing, but it's very important, especially at, at grassroots level and, and, and youth level. Um, you play all the games at the same time. So you've got kids of 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 playing, say, 10 o'clock in the morning, sure. whatever, in Kirby for the Liverpool Academy, whatever, at the same time. 
which means you can only watch one game. Mm-hmm. You can only watch you game if you're the coach, or just one other game. And it would be so useful if there were games from eight o'clock in the morning to five o'clock in the afternoon, and you could just go from one to the other and see the opposition and see the coaches, how they deal with it, and just get more and more and more information. And and that is something football is a mirror of society. Uh, the, 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 there is a need for shortcuts in our society where you just want to get there quickly. But it's about the getting there that takes you there. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something that, that's, that's really missing. And certainly something that is not missing in Argentina or Spain. Uh, will that explain the success, recent success of Spain? Partly, just partly. Does this explain the fact that there's so many good coaches and, and, and players in Argentina? Completely. Uh, there is that, yeah, I don't know why else to describe it. There's that hunger to know that that is the key to everything. One of the interesting uh, almost tensions that I found within the story of Messi is that he went into a system that was built on, on tiki-taka, on uh, using space, finding, an, uh, finding a teammate and working wet your way around the squad. Messi just went direct. He simplified the game. He said, um, one of the chapters he called, we told him to pass, he never did. But he was so good that he, a coach would allow him, would give him the, the you know the rope to get away with that. Key. Does that happen enough in in Spain, in England, in any of the coaching sessions you've seen where the coach almost takes a step back and just says, let's see what the kids have got. There was a great quote, um, which I'll just read straight out because it was a fantastic uh, piece of advice for coaches. This was one of... Um, this was one of Messi's early coaches, I think, Kike Dominguez. Uh-huh. I encouraged them to do what they did best and then subtly polished it. That's how I made my reputation in the schooling of football. I never shouted or threatened or scolded or humiliated or applied pressure, as my father did, with my brothers and me. So if you make a big cock up, I want you to understand what you've done, not to repeat it, but not because you're frightened, because you understand what you did wrong. So it's quite, it's quite a free environment, it seems, that he's growing up playing football in. Is that something where the philosophy of a Spanish club or a philosophy of an English club with a future game can step on some of those kind of softer talents, do you think? You can always turn it around. Sounds like he didn't coach much, did he? <laughs> That's exactly what it sounds like. So, certainly at that level, 10, he had it when he was 10, 11. He, a player has to enjoy himself and coaches uh, need to direct, but very carefully and that's what he did and he's a very charming guy and we had like eight hour conversation literally on, wow. on the day we just chatted and ate and drank wine and and uh, and you could see the, the passion of the guy uh, but it was 10-11 that's probably what it was needed then you go to Barcelona as you mentioned early in the question and Leo was so um, assured of his quality of, of what he could do and he quickly realized that actually even to all the players he could do it too and that it was effective and very quickly coaches says this is the guy that's going to win us the games so he thought okay this is my game I'm not going to change it so earlier on he came in and even <laughs> Cesc Fabregas was telling me how in the, in the first training, training sessions you know you, you would do like a, I don't know six before whatever and, uh, and then you're supposed to, without goals. And every time he got the ball, he would start dribbling. Everybody's, no, 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 that's not it, that's not it. But he thought, but that's my game. So he would just do his 
move, which by the way has been doing since we was six, seven, and he's still doing, still doing. And because he's so good, everybody has had to adapt to that move. The move is, gets the ball in the last third, uh, sees a gap, dribbles two or three, scores. That's why he feel. That's what he feels his football is about, or his football should be about. So he, he comes constantly repeated it. Coaches have got the obligation to say, right, okay, stop that. You know, uh, I want you to give it uh, whatever. Uh, but what happens is they win, and they win because of him. So the coaches start saying, well, let the other coach to deal with him. You know, the next category. Again, is this the perfect coaching? I don't know, but I suppose. And coaches will recognize this. If you have a guy that's going to win you the games, you make sure that he plays mm -hmm. happily and does whatever he has to do. Uh, yeah, he certainly added little bits here and there. You know, the uh, the understanding that that sometimes it's better one two than dribble everybody. The understanding that the Getafe goal, uh, you must all remember the Maradona goal. It was a bad goal. Uh, it, it's a goal that doesn't get coached, and it's a goal that he was told by Rijkaard and Pep Guardiola as well. Don't don't do it. Don't, you don't need to do it. It happens once in a lifetime. That's it. You've done it. Get closer to the box because if you start running that way, you're just going to be tired. And these are, you know, football fans may say, mm, yeah, but that's the one that we like. Coaches will recognize, yeah, actually, you can tell that the team was in a bad structure mm -hmm. because in the run that he made, he, there was no Barcelona player to pass the ball to almost, and and that means the team was not well positioned. Uh, he understood that one twos are sometimes better. He understood that you know things that Barcelona were giving him, but generally all he did was do his move, do his move. So if he hadn't adapted his game, he may score a, a Getafe goal once every two seasons, but he wouldn't score ninety-one goals in a calendar year. He had to adapt his game to become that that much more effective. Completely, and and that's what Pep Guardiola told him once he was in the first team. Is that first of all you have to take decisions that go beyond the pitch, like get rid of the people that uh, that were affecting the side, uh, the morals and, 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 and the ethics, even the dynamic, the, the, the discipline. So, you know, Deco out, Mota out, Ronaldinho out, Eto stayed for one year but had to leave as well. And then coach had to make a decision as well on what kind of, how, how can we get the best of Messi? And this is the part that uh, I think everybody misunderstands about Messi. And I, I hope I clarified in the book. Everybody says he got rid of the strikers, Boyan, Ibrahimovic, Eto. What happens is, what we're saying uh, is that the thing that helps you win is that move from Leo. Yeah, gets the ball in the last third and runs. What happens if in that run he finds one or two of his own players? They've got to move. Mm -hmm. They literally geographically have to move. So Ibra never understood that. Ibra thought, give it to me. I'll do my thing and I'll pass it on to you. And Messi's like, once I've started my run, I need to continue. I need to be, you know, like Michael Jordan will do in basketball. Uh, just Michael Jordan has got the ball, everybody goes that way. Yeah. And you do it. Now, to do it, to be able to do that, you have to have a certain personality like Villa had. Villa moved to the left-hand side. Mm -hmm. Ibra was like, does, not only he didn't understand it, he didn't want to do it. Yeah. So then coach thinks, but this is the guy that wins the games. So he needs to go. Does that mean that Messi has asked for Ibra to go? Messi is continuously saying in every single game, I can win the games, but it's going to be this way. And coach has to decide. So that's, that's, that's what Barcelona have been doing for him. 
but much more, I feel, what he's been doing for Barcelona. I think, yes, there's a, La Masia has been a big influence because he gave him structure, he gave him wages, he gave him um, protection. Football-wise, I don't think he added anything to him. But he certainly what he did is that he surrounded him, a lot of players that had a very clear idea of the structure of the team. And in that structure, there was one guy only that could be free, and that's Messi. Everybody else will have, you know, the wingers had to be very wide. And when this winger had the ball, this one had to come in. And everybody knew what they had to do. And when Xavi and Iniesta decided, now everybody does the move. That's how it was set, and that's why it was absolutely brilliant. And that's why it's not working now, because you've got three guys doing their thing, and the others too tired to uh, to fight that off. So. Seems that way. I think then one of the takeaways from from a coaching perspective, when you look at the story of Messi, is they're different types of player. There's there's always oh there's the you know the glamour player and the water carrier, but it's much more subtle than that. There's even within a team different roles at different times of the game, different times of the season. So it's not a case of necessarily get out of the way, just let them do whatever they want. It's a case of recognising what particular skills you can build upon. Um, I think uh, Jorge early on talks about how we never got him using his right foot and dribbling and kicking with his right foot. But Messi scores a lot of goals with his right foot now. Mm -hmm. He's equally comfortable dribbling with his right foot. So it's almost like he developed that out of necessity. Um, one of the things that we probably struggle with in England most of all is understanding when to step in and coach and when not to step in and coach. But the idea is that not every player is going to go and be a Messi. But if you had a PK or a Xavi or an Iniesta, that would be a pretty fantastic result as well from, as an, you know, from an academy point of view. So did you, did you change how you coached from you know, learning about Messi's story or... Is it heavily influenced by what you understand of Le Messiah or how Real Madrid coach? I haven't coached enough to, to answer that properly, but uh, um, certainly one of the things I, I, I've done the B license for is to, to understand that side. Mm -hmm. um, through the years, you get to know a lot of people, a lot of people, a lot of players, a lot of coaches. You see training, you see, um, you know, you develop an idea of what you would do if you were coaching. Let's see when I put it in practice, if, if that's that idea. But there is a danger. Too much information certainly works against you. But there is the fee as well, and, and you tell me better, because you you coaching, that um, you want something in, in put into their DNA, into their way of thinking. How do you know? How do you know that what you're teaching is actually going to be there? Uh, do you have to repeat it 100 times or 50 times or just once? Uh, I suppose it depends. It depends which, what you know, how, how the players are, both in terms of intelligence and understanding of the game. But uh, but that's again the, the, a little bit the tragedy of the of the coach. Sometimes the players go before you even realize if that's in. Um, so then, what you do? You just insist on it, or you just drop it there, and 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 whoever is intelligent enough will get it. And that's again goes back to the your philosophy, your, your, your coaching style, etc. But um, in terms of uh, in terms of Leo and what you can learn coaching wise is, is what we were saying earlier uh, Jorge didn't ask him to uh, play with his right foot but he's so unhappy with himself in a way or, or that he feels that he's not good enough that he's got to keep 
learning and part of learning, of course, is developing uh, that that right foot. What does coach have to do with that? I mean, it's just if he has got that mentality, he's going to do it anyway. But I suppose at some point, it, you know, as a coach, it's like, all right, he needs to know that he's got weaknesses, and then you point out at that right foot, and then just let whoever's ambitious will continue working on it, and whoever isn't, then then he's not he's not going to be a player. There's a there's a great um, great story that uh, Santi Solari, who is from Rosario, and he was my guide. He was my guide when when I went to Rosario. He was a former Real Madrid and Atletico Madrid player, the son of a guy that developed um, uh, Renato Cesarini, which is a uh, a school uh, for kids where Mascherano, for instance, has, has came from. Um, so he's from a football a football family, and now he's a coach himself at Real Madrid. And uh, we talked a, a lot about this. He's got fourteen year olds, and he's asking these fourteen year olds to rest, not to go out, to concentrate on the football. And and I was saying to him, that's the. You know, these people are weird if they actually listen to you and do as you say, because at 14 that's the least thing that you can do. But then the the weird ones, really the freaky ones, mm -hmm. are the ones that become professionals, because they understand that they're wasting their time if at 14 they don't apply what the coach is telling them. But it is the exception. So at the end, what you're getting as professionals are freaks, freaks of mm -hmm. nature in some cases, yeah. mentality freaks as well. They're just, they're just not normal people. And football toughens you up in a way as well that doesn't help you to grow up as normal. Mm. And that's, again, another lesson for Messi. If I have a kid or when I have a kid, I don't want him to be a footballer. <laughs> it's, just, it's just really messes up your mind. So so much intensity, so much pressure that from an early age. I mean, Messi was expected to effectively transport his family over to another country and support them from, from a super early age. He says he left the pressure behind on a Rosario pitch, but it must affect you day to day as you as you go through puberty well, and a teenage. No, and that's yeah. another weird thing. Um, certainly, you can learn from football uh, um, until you are sixteen or seventeen, and then it becomes too serious. You can learn about discipline and mm -hmm. and uh, team effort and helping others. That's that's certainly something you can take from football. So so yeah, I led my kid to be a football until about fifteen, sixteen. Sure. But then it gets to a point, as you say, where you have to take decisions like, you know, you have to let, you have to leave your country and your family follows you and follows you to another side of the world where they don't know anybody. That's big, big, big decisions. But um, the thing is for uh, for Messi, he will, he, although we're saying that should have been pressure and difficult. In fact, these guys have got the mentality of denying there's going to be a failure. And by doing that, it cannot be a failure. It can, they cannot think of a failure because then the whole uh, foundation collapses. They may or may not be professionals at the end, but they have a mentality where thinking, no, 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 this is what I want to do, and it's going to work, and it's going to work, and it hardly works. You know, 12-year-olds that decide to be professionals, how many do we know that haven't made it? Most of them haven't made it, but they need to think that way. So um, that way they also avoid that pressure. They're just thinking, that's the way. It's the way it has to be, and that's what I'm saying as well. They are a little bit freaks, or strange people, because they they think in a way that a 12 year old I wasn't thinking like that. I don't know anybody who thinks like that. No, no, I agree. I can't let you go without asking you a question about Pep. Um, 
I might as well have just highlighted every page of, of the biography. There's so much interesting aspect there, and if you coach, you just need to read it. It's fascinating that the depth of understanding of the game, the passion for the game, um, almost to the point of illness, obsessing about the game. It, you talk about that lifelong vision. He's now at Bayern Munich. They seem to have taken a high pressing game, high intensity game, in, insane technical ability, passing ability, but they've, they've allied it with strength and power and speed and athleticism. Do you feel like that's the direct, the future direction of the game? And whilst the Barcelona team of small, quick players was incredibly successful, they might struggle to compete with a team that's equally as technical, but also strong. That's an interesting question because because um, it goes into where football is going, is heading at the moment, uh, and ideally, as we said earlier, in England you've got everything. You've got the pace, you've got the attitude in training, you've got the passion. Got the physique. Uh, you're starting getting uh, the importance of technique for the selection of players at the youth level. Uh, so if those guys are six foot and can play with the ball, that that should be the future. Um, is Pep Guardiola is in 2050, and he's allowing us to see what 2050 will be like. And that's why it hurts when Barcelona are debating what to do next, and they decided to go in a different route, instead of evolving that idea. But it was difficult to evolve that idea with a guy that, that is in 2050. Mm-hmm. How, do you, how do you do that? I mean, unless you have that vision. He's special, he's, there's no doubt about that. And he's gone to Bayern Munich and uh, started doing uh, small games, high intensity, short, uh, in time. And uh, players were like, you know, we want everything. What's this about? What's this changes about? And then they played against Chelsea in the, in the Super Cup. And they played against uh, Manchester City and they were like, ah, right, okay. We get it now. Mm-hmm. Uh, typical reaction of players, typical reaction that Pep Guardiola got in 2008 when he arrived at Barcelona. But yeah, it's, it's, it seems the perfect combination. The guys, they're German. Um, so they're big and they fast, some of them. If he's got wingers, which he hasn't had, or, well, you know, he had Pedro, but now you've got, but it was Pedro and Villa. Villa's not a, stri- uh, a winger. Now he's got Robin and Ribery. Uh, it's a counter-attacking team sometimes, and he sees the benefits of that too, because, you know, uh, fast transition has got a lot of benefits. So, mixed with possession when they need to have possession. It just seems the perfect balance, and, and he's made, and I was convinced of it anyway, but he's made by a minute better. Would he win everything? Well, for starters, he won because he's lost the German Super Cup. And he may not even win, he will win the league, may not win the Champions League, but he's made them better. Yeah. Sometimes winning is not just about you know uh, how well you perform, you need a little bit of luck. If you remember the first 15-20 minutes against Borussia Dortmund in the final of the Champions League, it was Borussia Dortmund. Mm-hmm. They couldn't build from the back. It was a direct ball sometimes just because of necessity, not because they had to or they wanted to. Uh, I don't think it's going to happen ever again. But Borussia Dortmund may just score in the first 15 minutes, and then Bayern Munich may not return, may not may not come back from that in another game. But um, yeah, enjoy what he's doing because I'm not saying that's the future of football, but it's a way that will be played in the future for sure. I just want to finish with a question about the World Cup. Spain have a real chance of retaining the trophy. 
they've performed when it's mattered um, at times. I just want to ask you really this sort of question. If it was an Argentina-Spain final, would you mind if Messi scored the winner? <laughs> First of all, I, I'm not as positive as you are about Spain. Okay. Uh, we've won everything. And we're asking the same people to win again. I don't see it. I don't okay. see it at all. Uh, I know what Del Bosque is trying to do. In every competition, it changes a third of the side. But, you know, Iker, Xavi, even Iniesta, uh, they've won everything. Uh, there's not a hunger anymore. And you could see it in the Confederations Cup. But, um, so for me, ideally, it would be Argentina-Brazil final. It would be fantastic. Yeah. It would be amazing in Rio. But if it was Spain-Argentina, and Messi scored the winner, the winner or just a goal? The winner. It would be very hard. Once you get there, you have to win. And uh, and I'm I'm a Messi fan because of what because of what he's done with himself, how he's excelled at something. You have to admire the people that get to the top. You have to admire them. Uh, you have to admire Cristiano Ronaldo. You have to you know. It's very difficult if you perhaps even if you read that kind of book and uh, and then insult a player on a pitch, any player that is in any division, because the sacrifices they have to go through. The decisions that uh, affect the family themselves, uh, they're just massive. So I've got total respect for everybody. I'm, I'm a Messi fan. I think it's the best in the world, best we've ever seen. I'm not sure we'll see anything similar. Hence, you put all this effort and time into a project like this. But I don't want him to win the World Cup for Argentina, obviously. <laughs> Does he need to win a World Cup to, to reach that real pantheon of the greats? Or do you think he's already there? Okay, which opinion do you trust? Do you trust, for instance, Pep Guardiola's opinion? He says he's already there. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter if he wins World Cup or not. He will shut a lot of mouths. And uh, certainly it's his World Cup. He'll be 27. Uh, he's aimed all his life to this World Cup. And it, the team uh, is gearing towards being a very balanced team, although defensively still suffering. But uh, they certainly play to to his strengths. So it is a World Cup where he should shine. Winning it, you know, you still we won that World Cup, but had to save a penalty against Paraguay and had to save a shootout uh, with with Italy and stuff like that. So we'll see. But um, if he doesn't win it, in my eyes, for what it's worth. Is still and will be the best ever, but yeah, I think a lot of people will won't have an argument against that if you want it. Obviously, the book's going to be out today. Um, what really, I can't really recommend it highly enough. If you like football, purely for the YouTube clips that you recommend, you go and watch those clips and you watch some of the goals that he scored. It's sheer entertainment, football in its purest form. But the book's genuinely fascinating. Let's see how he got to that point. It's really interesting. So thanks very much for joining us and thanks very much for writing the book. Thank you, my pleasure. Cheers.